you sometimes come across this weird, weird idea that the animist notion of the wild hunt is a Christian uh, idea. And I'll just mention some of the fairly strong arguments here that the wild hunt is a pre-Christian motif. First, I want to interrogate a little bit this, uh, this how this idea of the wild hunt as Christian can even emerge. I think there are a couple of factors playing together. The idea springs from contemporary scholarship. And contemporary scholarship is defined by a couple of structural features that can allow such an idea to consolidate. One of them is simply lack of knowledge, paradoxically. Quite simply, we contemporary scholars, we do not have a fraction of the reading capacity that you see in like early to mid 20th century scholarship. If you read scholars like Wilhelm Grönbeck, Axel Ulrich, uh, Dark Strombeck, these guys, then you meet an astonishing capacity to process huge materials, which scholars today uh, simply lack. But it's, it's not just the reading capacity of scholars, I think it's also structural to the way that scholarship is being produced. Today, scholarship prioritizes rather narrow topics. Uh, topics such as uh, Axel Ulrich and uh, Hans Elekiel's monumental treatment of, of uh, Nordic folklore is not possible in contemporary scholarship. And that's fair enough. Scholarship changes through times. And today you would look at very limited spaces very thoroughly rather than, for instance, these grand outlines of connections uh, in very broad fields of data. And this obviously means that you're lacking a bigger bit of this overview in your engagement with stuff, right? And this is part of the reason that it can be very giving actually to move outside the confines of contemporary scholarship. I experienced this when I was working on my, my book on Nordic calendar that you can find on my homepage. Uh, framing an investigation with a scope here which is far too broad for typical contemporary scholarship. Like all of the seasonal culture that seems kind of charged with animacy in all of Northern Europe, in like a thousand years of culture, everything from modern to ancient times, and then just picking uh, out some, some powerfully animist uh, elements and, 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 and uh, present them. From a contemporary scholarship position, that kind of perspective is not, is not possible, basically. You can't do that from a contemporary scholarship perspective. But this does give you a specific kind of insight in how things are related in a macro perspective, in a very large perspective. And that kind of macro relation that tend to be overlooked a little bit in the narrowly contextualized scholarship which is uh, typically done today. Another feature of contemporary scholarship uh, is that there is a drive towards disagreeing with stuff that neo-pagans like, quite simply. And it sounds silly, but I mean it. It's a very real defining feature of scholarship. Actually, a friend of mine uh, did her PhD 
doing scholarship on exactly this dynamism in scholarship. If it is possible in any way to detach a motif from association with paganism, then a lot of scholars tend to jump on it because it affirms them as oppositional to pagans who tend to do the opposite, jump on the possibility of seeing paganism in everything, right? And this is a cultural dynamism in itself. It's called schismogenesis. Um, I'm not going to that here. Scholars are very good at seeing it, but they're still subject to this cultural dynamism. Uh, And it's super funny. Whenever you come to some institute one way, often there'll be like these two teams and and they're like thinking about each other like, Arsenal fans and Manchester United fans and there's these kind of binary oppositions and that is the way that many scholars of Nordic uh, history of religions uh, conceptualize what they do in opposition to uh, contemporary heathenism and uh, contemporary forms of paganism. I, I actually once started collecting examples of this scholarly denialism when it goes weird weird, uh, because I, I think um, I was considering doing a bit of a paper on this interesting question at some point, but ah, I don't know. Anyway, so here's just a couple of the clearest arguments for the wild hunt as a pre-Christian motif. First of all, uh, at the Aarhus Old Norse Mythology Conference in 2022, the quite genius Norwegian scholar Ilda Heide, he uh, gave a paper on Odin after Christianity in the eastern and southern parts of Scandinavia, also into Germany. He looked at wild hunt traditions, and one of his main findings was that uh, you find a lot of motifs with Odin as a leader of the wild hunt in, in Sweden, Denmark, Germany, and notably the names for this Odinic figure and not only are they cognate with Odin, but importantly, they are derivations of Odin that aligns with the local dialect developments, right? So it's not just Odin somewhere in Germany um, or Sweden. You know, you'll find Orn or Odin in southern Sweden, perhaps. You know, you'll find one in Jutland or Germany. Dialect appropriate uh, developments of the older names. This is a rather clear indication of old local traditions where the names are in actually an unbroken transmission from pre-Christian forums. A really good example is Jutland, uh, which is a part of southern Scandinavia that uh, has been dominated by eastern part of Denmark. And uh, in eastern part of Denmark, you'll have a Swedish sounding on or Odin or Wednesday day, Wednesday for Wednesday, right? And that uh, part of Denmark has dominated the western part of Denmark. So even though I'm from Jutland, uh, I have come to speak an eastern Danish dominated dialect. So instead of saying Wednesday, like English Wednesday, that would be the Jutlandish way of saying Wednesday, uh, I would be saying Wednesday, like they say in eastern Denmark. So when there are names for Odin that sounds like this Western dialect that's sort of leaning towards English, like one, then that is a strong argument from an, for an unbroken transmission rather than a late invention. A late invention would show the culturally dominant dialect. You might have the uh, normal contemporary Danish Odin, Odin right, derived from antiquarian scholarship, and so on. 
So, the Wild Hunt is also a very rich and very widely dispersed motif. It's not like medieval Christian traditions such as Carnival, which has crawled northwards. It has become really important in Germany. It's present in Denmark, but then it hasn't kind of reached that much further into Scandinavia. The Wild Hunt is found in an astonishing array of areas throughout all of Europe, actually. We're talking Spain, Italy, France, England, other parts of Britain, Germany, Netherlands, Scandinavia, Czechia, Slovenia, Russia, pretty much all over the place, probably other places than that. These are just some I picked out of Wikipedia. The names that you find uh, of these wild huntsmen uh, or leaders of the wild hunts, they regularly have these pagan-like figures. Occasionally you do have Cain or Herod or the devil, Judeo-Christian figures, but observe these are demonized figures. But you, have a, a, uh, but you have a high prevalence of uh, heathen-like uh, names, not only Odin, Woden, uh, and possible derivations, but also the Herla King, or the Harlequin, Herla Keening, but also winter goddesses of the winter goddess complex, such as Holda, Holle, Perkta, Lusser, and other hunter figures, such as Hern the Hunter. And I'm just going to ma- mention two examples of parallel wild hunt traditions, which I find to be significant in relation to the claim that the wild hunt is uh, a Christian uh, import. Because not only is there a remarkable incidence of extremely old and authentic-looking heathen names in the Germanic-speaking areas, this stuff also looks very heathen among Celtic peoples and among the Sami. So in Sami pre-Christian religion, the wild hunt was a thing. You have the Yule Folket, or Yule people, who's receiving offerings around Yule. Exactly, by the way, like uh, among Nordic-speaking peoples in Scandinavia, the, the wild hunt would be given offerings. So the Sami had these weird traditions of painting boats with uh, blood and hoisting them into trees for the wild hunt. Uh, this procession of the dead, which is led by a Yule lord, a Yauluherra, a leader of the Yule people. Then there is the Celtic material, where Welsh mythology has a wild hunt led by the Gwynep Nud, an underworld king of the fairy folk. Uh, or you have actually Aron, the leader of the other world, as a leader of the, the wild hunt. The Cunanun, the uh, hounds of the other world. And this uh, stuff is attested in uh, medieval Welsh sources like the branches of the Mabinogi uh, or the Black Book of Carmarthen. Um, there's also Irish material linked to the Wild Hunt, but I, I haven't uh, looked so much at that. So anyway, uh, the weakness of the denialist scholarly proposition is the trajectory of transmission that's not articulated but is understood and has to be assumed if you move the perspective on the wild hunt just a little bit up and take just a slightly broader perspective. It is what is often called diffusionism, which cultural scholars today generally tend to be very suspicious of, but which scholars of Nordic religion sometimes tend to fall into at a level that, 
wouldn't fly in other parts of cultural scholarship. So the thesis seems to be that the wild hunt was a Christian motif. It moved up through Europe, then it, it dispersed into every single corner and cranny and merged into all the local traditions in ways that look really authentically heathen. It became associated with the same deity Odin in some areas with locally credible names as a large part of Northern Europe, but also very dispersed diverse heathen motifs across different groups. It merged so effectively that this diffusion, in this diffusion that it manages to actually move out of Christian spaces and penetrate actual heathen Sami religion. I mean, you see how this almost becomes a little bit of a conspiracy theory, right? So let me try to give you a much more credible explanation. It is the wild hunt ideas they are just there in many places in Europe. This idea of a flow of spirit through the land at the darkest time of year is just intuitively meaningful as a way of engaging landscapes and lightscapes in this part of the world. And therefore, it has been associated with a lot of different figures. Hulda, Odin, Aron, the Yulahera, Harlequin, Hearn the Hunter, Cain, and all that stuff. All kinds of kings and different figures have been associated with the wild hunt. This idea has then been associated with myriads of customs of carrying fire, masquerading through communities, landscapes, you know, carrying idols, transporting embodied deities through landscapes. As for instance, it is recorded in uh, Tacitus, uh, who uh, reports a ceremonial transporting of the goddess Nerthus through the landscape or in the Urkmundar uh, Thatar, uh, where Freyr is, uh, a figure of Freyr is ceremonially transported through the landscape. With the spread of Christianity, sometimes Christian figures logically take this role, or the whole thing becomes a legendary king. King this or king that. You know? Or we have a toning down of explicitly religious figure, figures, or even cluttering it up in anti-Semitic myth of the wandering Jew or these kind of things. Christianity, of course, also starts producing its own ritual complexes, notably Campus, which associates with the devil, the Lusa in Sweden, which has also been associated with Christian figures such as Lucifer or Lilith. I think that kind of a narrative is a much stronger candidate for an explanation than this weird diffusionist uh, suggestion of uh, a Christian origin. But again, from an animist perspective, you could say, who cares? <laughs> is, is it really that important that the original impetus for exactly this to motif, if it came from medieval Christian tradition or if some, uh, some other source of uh, some millennia earlier, Cool, so let me just recommend that you check out my work on Nordic Animus Calendar. So if you look at my homepage, you'll find a wall calendar with an explanatory book that you can order. And uh, this serves to make this kind of animist perspectives here on North European history of religions available to you in your daily life while, you know, giving you a book that explains the whole things and runic calendars and whatnot. Let me also just say thank you so much for the people who are Patreon supporting my general work of exploring and popularizing a majority traditional uh, knowledge perspective on Nordic cultural history. This work strives to recover 
knowledge of land connectedness and kinship with the more than human community of beings in Nordic culture and to launch these perspectives into dialogue with contemporary culture in order to inspire ways of human existence and human communities that are less destructive for our world. So the amazing support of my Patreon community is a cornerstone in enabling this work to go on. So my deepest gratitude to my supporters. Thank you very much and see you around.